It's noon here in Ventnor City, New Jersey, and our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and this is news that you can use from Courage for Tuesday, January 16th, with your host, me, Ray, and, um, well, that young, handsome dude, Zach. Uh, how the hell are you today, uh, handsome? I am doing great, Pops. Glad to see you. Heads are rolling. Yes, they Let's- are. Let's start right there. Ram, Dodge, Jeep, and Chrysler are giving up. I don't know. Maybe you can make a case that they're actually doubling down on trying to change. The woes at automotive lost continent Stellantis have continued in 2024. We've documented this ad nauseum on this channel as well as back on carage.com. We documented the new cars with the highest and lowest inventory for 2024. If I scroll down here, eight of the top 10 slowest selling new cars in North America are Stellantis products, Dad, Dodges, Rams, Chryslers, Jeeps, Maseratis. If Fiat could be on this list, I think it would. And so, Dad, we have the first of what might be many changes over at Stellantis. Their chief operating officer for North America has been relieved of duties. What do you make of this? Um, and, And he wasn't reassigned. He was, he was, um, uh, well, dismissed or, well, I'm, I'm sure he's pursuing other opportunities on his own, but, uh, you know, obviously Stellantis in North America has issues. They have stagnant inventory, overpriced inventory, uh, undesirable inventory. They brought out new models that nobody wanted or asked for, for instance, the Hornet. I know everybody's sick and tired of me mentioning the Hornet. The only good Hornet was the green Hornet that I drove that was an AMC product um, back in, well, I don't know, when I was a kid. Um, But obviously, um, uh, Mr. Stewart uh, was not doing a, a very good job of getting Stellantis to be a desired brand. Yeah, he helped them raise their MSRPs by 50% over the last five years. Um, and most of that probably came in the last three years. Um, but but their sales on what has uh, been their most desirable products, Jeep and Ram, well, have, have either completely stagnated or, or dropped. Um, so, yeah, he's, you know, he's pursuing other opportunities. Yeah. Uh, and probably not necessarily because she wanted to be. Yeah, it was interesting. In the press you, release, there is you, absolutely no note of where he's going. Go for it. Do you think on his LinkedIn thing now under his picture, it says open to work? Uh- <laughs> there is a chance. There absolutely is a chance. So, yeah, there's no reassignment for Mr. Stewart. So, you know, unclear where he's going to go. Do you think this is a sign of Stellantis giving up in North America? Or do you think this is a sign of them doubling down and saying, Hey, we've made a lot of strategic missteps. We need to figure this out. Let's get the right person in that chair. I, I think, um, I, I, I think they realize that they have an issue in North America. And, um, you know, even though Stellantis is an extremely profitable global company, um, and, you know, and it is a European company. It's, it's, you know, we talk about them as if they're part of uh, the American automobile manufacturing sector, but it's really a European company. Uh, but yeah, North America is still important to them. Um, and yeah, they're having real issues. Now, 
obviously or apparently, I don't know that it's obvious, but the the uh, CEO of Stellantis is uh, Carlos Traveras or Traveras, mm-hmm. and the new guy that's taken over North America. Well, his first name's Carlos, so. Apparently, apparently, it's important that you share the same first name with the CEO. Um, and and this the, the gentleman um, that's taking over for Mr. Stewart has only been with Stellantis for a very short time. Um, so I'm, I'm certain in the 18 months or so that he's been with Stellantis that, you know, he's definitely got his finger on the pulse of what's going on in North America, considering that he was... I don't know, prior to this in charge of General Motors for South America. So, you know, I'm sure there's hardly any difference between North America and South America other than the equator. Um, Could be. We've got from JDM Surfer, thank you for the contribution. Why celebrate 20% off on 40% increases? Seems like you're pro-industry. Well, I hate to correct you, JDM Surfer. Stellantis, the company we're talking about, they actually increased their MSRPs over the past five years. 50%. 50%. We were the yes. ones that commissioned the research. It was Stellantis at 50.5%. It was Hyundai Kia that increased their prices 49.5% over the past five years. And we have seen uh, discounts on Stellantis products upwards of 20%. You can get 25% off yes. certain makes and models over at Stellantis. No matter how you slice it, it's still, they doubled the prices 50%. Or whatever. They increased prices 50% and they're only getting half of it back in discounts. I don't think that means we're pro industry. I think that means that we're really passionate about people understanding the circumstances in the market aka prices went up a boatload you're getting a discount sure from an inflated price to begin with doesn't mean you shouldn't take advantage of it if you're at an opportunity to do it um but you need to be you know cognizant of the fact that subaru's uh, prices msrps only went up 20 some odd percent over the past five years maybe that's a different option for you rather than that yes you know i i I don't know that by reporting the facts um that that means we're pro-industry. Um, it, it just means we're reporting the facts. You can do with those facts whatever you want, um, but the facts are that Stellantis has raised their their MSRPs by 50%, and in many cases today you can get upwards of 20 to 25% off. Is, is that discount something to celebrate? Well, it sure as hell is a lot better than there being no discount, and you just have to pay that full fifty percent increase in price. Um, you know, there's there. What's the difference between an optimist and a pessimist? Hmm. Um, the pessimist says that the glass is half empty, and the optimist says it's half full. So, you tell me if you want if you want to if you want to say. Savings is insignificant because the increases were, and that makes us say whatever the hell you want. And to be to be clear, you're right because it went yeah. up fifty percent down to. And I want to pull that data up on the screen because it's going to tie into the other story. I wanted to dig in with you today, Dad. Car price inflation is real. These brands are the worst. Just Google search "car price inflation space car edge," and this article will come right up. Yeah, it's right here. I mean, this chart is really interesting. Inflation's 22% yeah. over the past five years. Nissan and Subaru have only increased their MSRPs 19%. Pretty remarkable that they've actually increased their MSRPs less than yeah. inflation, especially because you can get Subarus below MSRP. You know, yes. Same with some Nissan products. Yes. Those represent, generally speaking, good values. Hyundai Kia obviously has increased, have increased their prices a lot. And we've got um, you know, Stellantis there just as well. So if you're just joining us, the big story today, the COO, the North America 
chief operating officer for Stellantis has been relieved of duties. Unclear if he's got another role within the organization. Who really cares? I mean, I care for this gentleman and his family and all that fun yeah. stuff, but he'll be fine, I'm sure. Igor put it in the chat. He'll probably get poached by some hedge fund or something. The real meat of the story here is change at a leadership level within an organization that has overwhelmed their dealers with inventory, yes. that has overwhelmed their customers with price points that are unapp like just unattainable for many many customers. And dad, that leads to an article that was uh, in Newsweek just yesterday. Americans can no longer afford their cars. I'll dig into some of the numbers here in just a second. Before we do, you can't be shocked by mainstream publications picking up on the affordability crisis. We've been shouting this from the rooftops for a long time. <laughs> um, you, you know what? Newsweek could have done that article six months ago, eight months ago, a year ago. We've been saying it for a year and a half. We've been looking at, at average transaction prices. We've been looking at average MSRPs. We've, we've been looking at average availability. I believe less than 10% of all cars out there that are available, new cars that are available, are below a $30,000 price point. Okay? That, so we've been screaming about there is an affordability crisis for the longest time. And quite honestly, I don't know what's taken Newsweek or Ford or GM or Stellantis or anybody else to kind of like pick up on that. Um, you know, all you have to do is look at the numbers and, and, and God knows I've said it a million times. I'm not a particularly bright guy, and I and I probably put that on display on a daily basis. But geez, you can look at some of those numbers and go, a lot of people can't afford that. And and you know, how many times have we talked about the the Cox survey that found out that 83% of Americans said we don't think we can any longer afford to even consider or buy a new car 83 percent more than more than four out of five people say they can't afford to buy a new car i don't know i i, I don't know how you can scream that there's an affordability crisis any louder than that and that survey came out if i remember correctly in october um it was either september or october uh, and last time I checked, this is January. What yeah. what 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 took Newsweek so long? There was an article earlier this week or last week in Automotive News, the industry publication, and it talked about um, the struggles because uh, finding difficulty in finding affordable vehicles for people. That survey was out for months. Why did it take three months for them to? I don't know, put together a piece that says there's an affordability issue. Um, why, are, why are manufacturers now saying, oh, my goodness, there, there, there's an affordability issue? Dealers are now saying, there's a, where the hell were these people? I mean, how deep did they have their heads buried in the sand to, to not realize it until now? One thing that I am want to give some kudos is there are some affordable options out there from legacy auto yeah like, there there are there have yes. been some like the chevy tracks you and i sat yes. in that at the detroit auto show 
Yeah, you're looking for something sub thirty thousand dollars. Go buy one of those. You know, sub we looked 25, at twenty five thousand. Sub twenty five thousand. We we were just looking at inventory or excuse me, uh, price increases. Nissan and Subaru, right? Like, so there are some automakers. So take media out of it for a second, because there's only so much influence we can have there. Some automakers yeah. have been proactive here rather yeah. than reactive in terms of, hey, we want to actually be able to provide reasonably priced options for for our audience and for for our communities. And then there have been other automakers that have said, price be damned. That's Stellantis, right? That's, yes. that's Hyundai Kia. That's um, a Ford and, and, and uh, other GM lines, to be honest. But there are some pockets there. Chevy Trax, Subaru products, Nissan products, Mazda products even. They haven't gone up too much where you have some yeah. automakers who should capture market share. Mazda was up 45% year over year, Dad, because the price points attained. Yeah, Mitsubishi is another one. You know, I'm, and, and I'm not saying like these are the greatest brands in the world, sure. But they're they're affordable, and if if people need affordable transportation, they don't need every bell and whistle. They they just need affordable transportation, and and there has to be a market for that, and the manufacturers have to realize that. They, they have to realize that they can't just depend on the 17% of the population that feels as if they can still participate in buying a new vehicle. And so, um, and, and how many of those 17%, as I've talked about, are falling off and falling out of the market? Going, well, you know, maybe not now. Maybe, maybe we should wait a little longer. Um, you need. You need to be able if 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 you feel you need to play in every niche in automotive from most affordable to least affordable, as many of the manufacturers do, um, then stop forgetting about least affordable. Stop putting all your eggs in the most of the the. I mean, stop putting your 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 eggs in the least affordable basket instead of the most affordable basket. Start making more affordable cars. Yeah, I get that they they don't make you as much money, and I yep. get that you have stockholders that you're beholden to. Um, but perhaps I don't know. Perhaps you could make a case to your stockholders that by gaining market share, ultimately you'll be able to provide a better return on investment um, because you gained market share through offering some more affordable options for people out there. And eventually you'll be able to step those people into your most profitable vehicles. And also theoretically, the more attainable priced vehicles should turn more quickly and cost less in incentives than, I don't know, I'm thinking about the fact that Ford regionally introduced 1.9% APR on their F-150s, their 2023 F-150s. You and I went in on this yesterday, Dad. Yes. That's expensive for Ford. Let's set that aside. But oh, the reason yeah. they're having to do that is because they have 100,000, more than 90,000, less than 100,000, somewhere in between there, 2023 F-150s on their dealer lots right now that the average transaction price of an F-Series pickup truck is north of $65,000. So the other case to your business case for this would yeah. be if we produce vehicles at a price point that people actually want, then it won't sit as long, which will make our dealer partners happy because they don't have to spend as much money. And it should save us money in incentives that we're going to have to put on the vehicles, on the hood or the trunk of the vehicle to actually get it sold. And I think that's a dynamic that we're seeing at play in the industry as a whole right now. 
There are certain vehicles that still don't have a ton of incentive or dealer incentive to drive discount. And there are other vehicles, they're looking for ways out from under them, man. They're buried. These dealers are buried and they're not finding customers who are willing to get buried under them themselves. And and if if I may, it's not what the people say they want. It's what people say they can afford. Okay. Yeah. People that can't afford it still want it. Okay. People that can't afford the the seventy thousand dollar F one fifty might still want it. They might settle for a fifty thousand dollar F one fifty, realizing that they can't afford the seventy thousand dollar. But it's not. It's not about want. It's about what they can actually afford. Um, you know, there's, there's. I, I, I've always said. You know, I, 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 I wanted to be five seven. It never happened. Okay. There's lots of things I want. I, I want a beachfront property. Okay, in Ventnor, okay, I can't have that because I can't afford that. So I have a bayfront property, <laughs> four blocks from the beach, okay, because that's what I can afford. It's not what I want, but it's what I can afford. And and so you need, as as heads of these companies, need to realize. That rationale. People always want the best. They just can't afford it. Okay. Um, you know, why why are so many name brand goods counterfeited? Okay. Because the counterfeit ones can sell at a price point that the people who wanted them but couldn't afford them can actually now buy them, even though they know they're buying a counterfeit. Oh, so Yep. People buy what they can afford. Okay. And and I don't care how many billions of dollars get spent on marketing and advertising trying to convince people that they need all the crap that is in that $90,000 truck when in reality they can only afford that $45,000 truck. So they'll long for all that crap that's in the $90,000 truck. They ain't just never buying it. Definitely. Definitely, man. Hey, I want to do a quick reminder back at caredge.com. If you are going to purchase a vehicle anytime soon, today, tomorrow, in the next couple months, skip the dealership and buy with Car Edge instead. There are certain vehicles. We'll be running some specials over the next couple of weeks here that we have some really significant discounts on the tracks being one of them that I, I'm going to continue to highlight when we talk about affordability. We've got Chevy tracks $1,000 under invoice price those are really great and you shipped and delivered to your door. Buy it with us, guys. Don't deal with any of the other crap. There are affordable options out there that you can get your hands on. Opposite, opposite end of the spectrum. There are also those $100,000 F-150s and Ram 2500, whatever. But like, if you are looking for affordable, shop with us. Let us help. Skip the dealership. Go to Car Edge. Go for it, Dad. I can't wait for them to come out with the $100,000 mega tracks. <laughs> tracks nobody ever asked for yeah uh, pretty much there will be like limited edition <laughs> mega tracks that yeah, yeah doesn't uh, yeah you know it's like six out of 32 that they make and they auction it off and yada yada, yada. Uh, um dad let's go to the chat here for a couple minutes and then i've got to turn our attention to something very interesting uh okay. Stu says my local cdjr deal dealer is so packed full of new inventory it's hard to find a parking space 
Gang, please. My email address is Zach, Z-A-C-H at caredge.com. Send me videos, send me photos. We love seeing what's going on in your neighborhood with your dealers. Again, Zach, Z-A-C-H at caredge.com. Send us the videos, send us the photos. We'll credit you in following or future videos where we reference it. We want to see what you're seeing in your neck of the woods. Susanna here saying, aren't they increasing the price of the Jeep Renegade for 2024? I have not heard that. That would be a strategic misstep. In my estimation, the Renegade was one of the slowest selling cars of 2023. I'd be hard pressed to find a huge subset of people that want to buy even more expensive Jeep Renegades in 2024. Fingers crossed they do not. Do maybe, not. maybe maybe the new head of, of North America, uh, Carlos Serlenga, uh, will say, you know what, well, why don't we lower the price? Maybe, just maybe, um, you know, but yeah, every manufacturer wants to raise their price every year. Why? If you don't have to, why? <laughs> They're not selling. Don't do it. Yeah. We've got here, Dad, from Gerard. Uh, yes. Blame the dealers all you want. It's the manufacturers who drove up costs exponentially. Dealers behave badly as standard operating procedure. We started this show off talking about car price inflation. So there is a huge onus on the manufacturers. And, it, and, and I think the car price inflation data, Dad, really demonstrates that yeah. this is operator decision. Okay. Not everyone, like last time I checked, Nissan's still in business. Subaru's still in business. Yes. Toyota's still in business. Honda's still in business. You could even make a case that those automakers are doing well relative to their peers who increased yes. uh, MSRPs so significantly. And so I think there's a lot of truth there that a lot of uh, blame for the affordability crisis can be pointed directly back at the automakers who said, you know what, we can just keep raising prices and people will keep buying them. And that's finally coming to a head. It started a couple months ago and it's really taken a hold. And, and I think this comment, what, what would Henry Ford say about today's auto market? When you and I were in Detroit, we did the Ford uh, Rouge plant uh, yes. tour. I mean, he'd be rolling in his grave. He is rolling yes. in his grave. Yeah. I mean, because his, his idea was to make affordable vehicles that just about anybody could buy. Um, he wanted his employees to be able to afford to buy the, the vehicles they, that they were producing. And Many of Ford's employees today would be hard pressed, um, even at their special employee pricing, uh, to be able to afford to buy uh, the Ford of choice that they might want. Uh, so, it's it's it, this shouldn't be so foreign um, to all the heads of these companies. It is. Look at this data, Dad. This is in that same article, according to an October report by Market Watch. Americans needed an annual income of at least $100,000 to afford a car, at least if they're following standard budgeting advice, which says you shouldn't spend more than 10% of your monthly income on car-related expenses. That That's means that more than 60% of American households currently cannot afford to buy a new car uh, based on census data. For individuals, the numbers are even worse. 82% of people are below the $100,000 annual income line. Yeah, so if you're a Ford factory worker <laughs> and you want to buy your $66,000 F series. Yes. You're not buying one. I mean, maybe you are and you're then, you know, six months down the line thinking, holy hell, it's hard to make my monthly, you know, my monthly nut. Yeah. It's, you know, it's and, 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 that. you know, not, not to, not to pat us on the back, but we've been talking about that 10% rule for, I don't know, four years now. Um, you know, make make fun of me and of us as much as you want, but it's true. You shouldn't have more than ten percent of your income going to your automotive expenses. So, how you know that 
that's why there's the affordability issue. That's why Newsweek finally came out with the article that they came out with. That's why Automotive News came out with the article they came out with last week. Um, yes, uh, the price of car. Uh, you made me do this one time. The price of cars is just too damn high, okay? Rent is just too damn high. The cost of living is just too damn high. But but the price of cars and trucks is outrageously too damn high. Um, and and there, there are things that the manufacturers can do. They've just so far chosen not to. Again, want to be able to also provide and throw, you know, and show flowers to those who are doing good things. That damn Chevy tracks, man. Like, that's a good option. Yes. The Mazda's at reasonable prices. The Subaru's at reasonable prices. The Nissan's at reasonable prices. So let's not do all doom and gloom, even though I'm the one who comes up with most of the titles and thumbnails. But, like, there's doom and gloom, and there are some bright spots here where those are brands that are going to see market share increases and will also hopefully get some new loyal customers. Let's come here to the chat, Dad. From yes, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan, for the contribution. Would you guys consider a week-long series, a deep dive on the market in the five most populated states and their regional neighborhoods? It might really help us understand those who say they're seeing price drops. Yeah, I think that could be interesting, Ryan. I also think using the car search, the car edge yeah. car search, and looking at you know market day supply data will also be very foundational to understanding what's happening in your region you know we were looking just on yesterday's show dad in miami there were some yes. of these what was it like the hornets they were discounted like ten thousand dollars which is also florida so there's probably you know two grand back in fees but still like there's some significant discounting happening where there's extra supply yes and and it was pointed out to me by uh, oh no mr bill that that you know we should do a more centralized um zip code for that area and you you might find um more significant data by doing that but yeah something you know a deep dive in the market because let's face it things are different in california than say they are in iowa okay um so yes i mean there's a reason that manufacturers break up the country into zones um so there's no reason why we shouldn't when it comes to looking at some of this uh, data and trying to uh, trying to make sense of it. Yep, I like that. I'll uh, incorporate that into the future. From Chris. Chris, thank, thank you for the contribution. Chris. Pops, what are your thoughts on a rebuilt title? 2021 Subaru Crosstrek, 36,000 miles. Carfax says minor damage to rear airbags not deployed. They're asking $19,000 and it has a rebuilt title. Help us all understand your take on this. Rebuilt title means it was totaled. <laughs> okay, uh, it, it does not mean that it was a minor damage to the rear and the airbags were not. It means when you when there's a rebuilt title, typically it means that it was a totaled vehicle. Um, so it's it's what's known in the industry as a branded title. Dealerships, if somebody comes in with a vehicle to trade in that has a branded title such as this, um, they instantly lower the appraisal value by 50%. So if the book value was $25,000, the appraiser is going to look at that vehicle somewhere between um, ten dollars and $12,000. So if 
two things that you need to look at in a situation like this. A, how well was it put back together? In other words, get a pre-purchase inspection done so that you can have some idea as to the quality of the repairs that were done. And B, if it checks out, how long are you planning on keeping it? Because if you're going to keep it forever, then you can save yourself some money and you should probably be able to buy it for less than $19,000. But if you're thinking, well, I'm going to buy it and I'll keep it for a couple of years, you're going to take it in the shorts when you go to trade it in. So those are the things that you have to think about when when you're looking at a car that has a branded title. I mean, personally, I'm just not going to even entertain it. I saw in the chat someone asked, what are your thoughts on extended warranty? And like another thing tied to rebuild title. Most you of the extended warranties, you can't get yeah. it because they don't want to touch those things. So it's like it just even your insurance might have some implications. Like there's just downstream negative implications if you buy a vehicle with a rebuilt title. Thus, the reason it's typically worth half of what it would have been elsewhere yes. uh, or otherwise. Excuse me. Thank you again for that, Chris. From Core Guy. Good to see you here, Core Guy. Thank, Thank you, you for Core the contribution. Guy. People have to learn how to drive right-hand cars and just import those bulletproof 1990s Toyota sedans from Japan for under $10,000. I like your thinking, core guy. Maybe we need we'll to have go people in Skyline GTRs and 1990s Toyota sedans. I, I absolutely, absolutely love it. Thank you for that, core guy. I really uh-huh. appreciate it. That was good. Again, want to remind everyone before we switch gears to one other story, uh, you truly, like we have made huge strides back on CarEdge.com. Not only can we give you all the market insights, the coaching you need, but now folks, you can actually buy your car through CarEdge as well. So skip all the other hassle um, and really take advantage of that into the near future here. Now, Dad, the other story is back on Twitter. There was an account, or X, excuse me, there was an account called Car Dealership Guy. We talk about him frequently here. He does these occasional... Temperature checks on the economy. I thought we could scroll through a few of these in light of the conversation we've had today about Stellantis and facility and all that fun stuff. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. If we're going to do a temperature check, we also need to do a temperature check on Teslas in the Chicagoland area um, where the battery range has dropped to near to zero uh, along with the temperatures. And uh, people are having great difficulties in the. We are going to stick with this for today and tomorrow yes. or Thursday. We can touch <laughs> on the Tesla story, but thank well, you. you know, here we I go. You ready? Temperature check. Yeah. All right, Dad. So let's see. We've got here from Independent Review 54 units, $97,000 in finance gross at a Nissan and Kia store. That sounds pretty like great for that dealer. That's a lot of gross per vehicle on the back end. Let's see it's here. It's like 2000. It's less than 2000. Less so. than 2000. Yep. Michael yeah. says my 2017 Subaru started up great and continued my six year streak of not taking it to a car <laughs> dealer. So there you go. That's his temperature check. We've got here. Absolutely terrible. Audi Northeast. And I'm not the only one. Audi just released emergency funds and incentives. My dealership is in panic mode. We had a morning meeting for punishment at 830. The rates are killing us. You used to work at Audi. Have you ever heard of any of these things going on there? You know, I've I've heard of uh, many, many a manufacturer taking a look at how a month is going and in the middle of the month making some adjustments into incentives and how they can, I don't know, try to prop the market up a little bit. 
Yeah. All right. So God, Godspeed to Audi dealers in the yeah. Northeast from car sales guy. Uh, pre-owned inventory is tough to come by. New car units are down. Gross is down. Send help to the West Coast. <laughs> Fixed operations is doing good. From Andrew saying, Florida Hyundai stores flat to down 10% year over year. Started off strong, but this weekend was slower than expected. EV sales continue to be sluggish, aka non-existent in Florida. Even with enhanced incentives from Francois, must be real bad because my Honda dealership keeps cold calling me to trade in and buy a new one. And we'll do one more here, Dad. This is from Let's Ride Sales Slow because it's five degrees waiting for a warm up service body shop are gangbusters. And that's in the Great Lakes area. So it's a little, little, little it's meh. January. It's 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 January. And if dealers forgot what what January is like in the car business is shame on them. I mean, I'll put it as succinctly and as nicely as I can. January sucks. It's just that simple. Oh, and by the way, that's followed by February and that sucks as well. So they know what they're in for, for the next 59 days. Well, this year's a leap year. So for the next 60 days, um, they know, and if they don't know, they're just playing stupid. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Let's keep moving. Pops. We've got here from Zario. Thank you for the contribution. Thanks. Zario. Hey guys, what do you think is going to happen with insurance? Wouldn't it make more sense for you to total your car with gap coverage than to roll over your negative equity? Um, I, I, I don't know how to answer that. Um, but that's why you would have gap coverage. Um, and you have to make sure you have a, enough gap coverage to cover that gap. Um, you know, I, I can't sit here and tell you that I never suggested to a customer who was upside down on their vehicle and had gap insurance that they wait for the next weather advisory and park that vehicle under a tree, hoping that that tree falls on it. I mean, you know, uh, you know, the sad reality is, in most cases, the tree ain't falling on it, and you're just going to keep making the payments until you're in an equity situation or the car has died. One of the two. One of the two. We've got yeah. here, Dad, from JDM Surfer. Thanks again for the yes. contribution. I drive right-hand drive, and it's worth it, 35 mile per gallon in a, I think, the Toyota, it's a Toyota it's, Highlands, right? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. We, we saw cool. that when we were in St. Martin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Super, yeah. super neat. And uh, yeah, again, more validation to Core Guy's idea that you can uh, bring those <laughs> 1990s Toyotas yes. into I the state. You just, you, you just mentioned the gap insurance from that comment. I'm just showing everyone, gang, if you have any questions about anything related to buying a car, owning a car, Google search whatever it is, Space Car Edge, and our guides and our community forum will pop right up. I think it's huge resource and asset that we have uh, for people to take advantage of is just use google and just put car edge at the end of it and then you can find our various resources and all of them have these table of contents here to help you understand what is gap insurance does gap insurance what does it cover is it worth it what about when you're leasing the cost of it should i cancel it do i need it we've got really well thought out and well organized information just use the google machine to get your hands on it and if i may they're free doesn't get much better than that. 
does not get much better than that. I wanted to two more comments in the chat, Dad, and then we okay. will call it a show. Um, the first comment um, I want to pull up here is for from a third Steve. one because the core guy yep. again. <laughs> Steve says, "What's the best way to proceed with buying a new F three fifty in today's market? Buy it on Car Edge, Steve. Yes. Don't even go to the dealer. Just buy it on Car Edge. Just go on Car Edge and tell us what car you want and buy it with us. Hate to be self promoting, but I don't hate it enough to not do it. And then we've got from Core Guy here. Thank you, Core Guy, for the contribution." Yes. My brother was severely underwater in his 2021 Hyundai Elantra, about $16,000 negative. Whoa. Oh, my God. 24% APR. Yeesh. He drove back here uh, to Maryland from Texas, and the car got stolen a week ago. Gap insurance covered everything. Thank you, Kia boy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the wonderful thing is, is that not every, every story has a happy ending. But this one does, you know. Can you imagine, like, part of the value proposition for why people should buy <laughs> Kias is because when you need that thing to get totaled, or yeah, stolen, or stolen, yeah, yeah. Why wait for it to be totaled? And you don't even just hope it gets stolen, and you don't even have to leave the keys in the ignition. You know, when <sighs> when they when when they file the police report and they say, "Well, do you have do you have your keys?" You wrong up both sets. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness man that's like all aspects of that are really terrible and miraculous that there's a, yes. a happy ending yeah at the end of it all right dad one other thing i want to pull up for today's show from carrie yes um, you know what let's actually let's do this ad lib it man ad lib it really you gotta be kidding me you know what i want to ad lib it because i'm going to show some examples of this as well carrie says I made the mistake of giving my phone number to TrueCar, and dealers are driving me nuts. I yeah. told them I wanted a new Corolla for cash, but prices are too high. They still leave me messages every day. Dad, I want to pull up on my phone really quickly. I submitted yes. a lead through one of these websites recently. Yes. And let me show you. So let me just go to missed calls. Let me come here. I have been getting missed calls from Alexandria VA in Bethesda, Maryland. It's going to be hard to see up there. Yeah. But those are missed calls from a car dealer every day for the past six days since I submitted the lead. And the text messages, to Carrie's point, I empathize with her. Yes. For him. The text messages, Dad, are unbelievable. Let me find it here. Like the most recent, I mean, these are all, yeah, it must have been True Car because there's the True yes. Car logo. Like this is one. There's three separate people from the dealership texting me. The, you know, so, like so if, if I may, if if True Car, as much as you'd like to believe that True Car is out there to help you, you know, to provide you with the information so you know what a good deal looks like, they're a lead generating service for their dealers. That's why dealers pay them, okay, so that they can forward your name, your phone number, your email, so that. You're getting hammered all day long. You want to know the difference between True Car and us? We don't even have the staff to be able to hammer you. <laughs> that is that is true. <laughs> we don't. Yeah. Nor do we have the desire. We're here to help you if you want to buy a car. Okay. Um, we're not here to sell your information to another to a to a dealer. Or a series of dealers. We're just not. That's yeah, look at this, man. Look at the email follow-up. I actually, I, I've been meaning, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to print out every single one of these emails. So as a team, we can review how TrueCar 
and their dealers follow up with customers. And we can use that as an example of how to never structure our <laughs> yes. communications with our customers. Look at this, Dad. January 9th, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen emails since the ninth. So that's that's two emails a day. Yes. From that's submitting true. a car lead. Plus I've got at least 13 text messages, plus I've had 13 phone calls. That's and may I say, and may I say, um, I don't know that it's still a fact today, but it was a fact when I was with Acura. Radley Acura is the largest Acura dealership in the country, and they got processes and procedures. And if they get a, if they get a, a an internet lead, it's it it is the 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 saying in the car business is. You're going to follow up with that customer until they either buy or die. So either either you're going to buy a damn car, they buy or die. Yeah, you're either either you're going to buy a damn car from, them or they're going to read your obituary and then they'll stop bothering <laughs> you. <laughs> That's and 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 there are dealerships, obviously, Radley's one of them that subscribe to that theory. So. Until until they see an obit, okay, you're you're just going to keep getting phone calls and emails. It's just that simple. I'm sorry. <laughs> and they might, yeah, they very well might. They, you know, if if they feel as if they know you well enough, they might even be in for giving you part of your eulogy. You know, oh, Zach was after just the finest cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Zach really wanted that MDS. <laughs> All right, folks, again, caredge.com. If we can help you, go check it out back on the website. All of our free resources up here on the top right. Get the cheat sheets, the strategy cards, the data, the guides. Listen to the podcast. Go read the dealer reviews. Go to free deal school. Participate on the community. All sorts of resources back on caredge.com. Pops, thanks for the fun show today. I unfortunately, well, we'll see. We got to play it by ear. I think I'll actually be with you tomorrow. Um, so let's. I let's hope so. Tune in. I'll be here tomorrow. Tune in. We'll have a show. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, even if you can, you do it from the plane. Uh, no, I'll be off the plane. We'll be good. We'll be good. We're okay. going to do the show tomorrow. No concerns. I can't wait. You can do it from the back of the Uber. I, we don't care. Uh, <laughs> I'll be here, folks. I'll be here. I'm looking forward to it. Dad, we'll do it'll, a used car market fun. update. Tomorrow, there's more data there that we can dig into. And I'm sure we'll have plenty of other things. As always, very fun to spend the time with you, Pops, and with the community as well. Absolutely. It was a pleasure today. So, ladies and gentlemen, we look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, for more news that you can use from Car Edge. Thanks, Ansem, for uh, putting this together today. <laughs> <laughs>